1: Once you have that kind of bond You really want to fight for it Mm -hmm. Even if it's hard Even if it brings tears and pain You get through it And we've done it And I can tell you Going over that rainbow Was worth every price we had to go through
2: Well, Ron and Jan Welch join us today on Focus on the Family. Your host is Focus president
3: and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. Uh, John, marriage is a unique and precious gift from God. And I was reminded by a young lady not long ago, she said, you know, whenever Christians talk about marriage, sometimes they talk about it being a load or, you know, carrying this heavy burden. And uh, I want to say, yeah, we don't want to project that. We want to say marriage is awesome. Sometimes you got to do some tune up. You got to you know you got to pour into it you got to work mm-hmm. at it but man you put that little bit of work in and marriage is the thing that that drives you you know it's fun it's good so i want to make sure we start there and we're going to talk about some of the tune up things today mm-hmm. and how to make it even better And I hope that you will lean in with us, especially if you're, you know, kind of in a stalled spot and you want your marriage to be all that it could be. Yeah, and Dr. Ron Welch and his wife Jan
2: are here to talk a little bit more about these things that can make marriage better. Uh, Ron is a clinical psychologist who specializes in marriage and family, and Jan is a teacher who works with at-risk children, and they've been married for over 30 years and have two grown boys and two grandkids. Three, Okay, three grandkids, correct the record there. Uh, (laughs) Dr. Welch has written a book called 10 Choices for a Better Marriage, How to Work Through Struggles and Increase Joy Today. Look for details about that at focusonthefamily.ca. Ron and Jan, it's great to have you back to Focus.
0: Thanks so much. We appreciate being here.
3: Yeah. Now, Ron, as a psychologist, you work with couples uh, going through some tough stuff. Does choice really factor into how you empower relationships? You know, it it has so much to do with whether people feel
0: they have the, the power to change things. If they don't feel there's a choice and it's sort of like they're stuck, this is the way it has to be. It's the way it's always been, so it's probably the way it's always going to be. Without that, it doesn't feel like there's any choice. If you can change that one thought process suddenly everything opens up.
3: Well, you know, you get married, that's choice, right? You're making you the bet. first big choice, and then there's a lot of choices after <laughs> that, right? Every day, all the time, you're always
0: choosing your marriage, and you're choosing your partner, or you're choosing yourself, and you kind of have to make a decision about that.
3: Jan, we've covered your marital story before, but give us the recap, the quick thumbnail of you and Ron, and, and how you met and married.
1: Uh, we were in a class at DU together. And that's
3: uh, University of Denver. The
1: University mm-hmm. of Denver, and the Professor talks, his first thing he says is people meet and get married in this class. And I was (laughs) like, woohoo! I'm starting to look for who's there. And um, uh, we ended up doing a project together and then the uh, next the fatal week, project the <laughs> fatal project i was flirting sick you know and he's marking these points and um so we ended up going out the next week and talked all night and i basically talked kind i of told him i really like you but i can like you as a friend or maybe something more can grow and Basically, four dates, and we were looking at wedding rings. Oh, my
3: goodness. Four dates? Four dates. Okay, wow. That seems a little fast, Ron. <sighs> Just I w- a little. I wish I could
0: say that it was motivated by um, some kind of cognitive thought process that made sense. Most of my family and my friends looked at me and said, what on earth are you doing? Uh, to be honest... If you want the honest answer, I was afraid that if she really got to know me, she probably wouldn't want the package that I was. Wow, there's a lot to that. I I pushed things, and she was was ready. It wasn't like she was uh, on a slow track, but uh, we had to get to know each other after we got married, and that's not what my son's – uh, not the advice I give my sons at this point. Well,
3: in fact, you use the term "fall in love." That that yeah. sounds like you like tripped into it. But uh, talk about your th- use of the word "fall in love." What's that definition?
0: You know, for me, it's more like jumping into love. I think that's where the choice piece comes in. It's it's really a matter of saying, "I want to be with you. I want to change my life the way God wants me to change and become the man that you deserve." And that's a choice. That's jumping. That's not just like. A, a passive falling into it. It's more a matter of saying, I'm making a conscious decision. Now, I, granted, it might have been good to take longer than four days, but. I, I think <laughs> at
3: least six dates. At least six. Dates, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of funny. I mean, Gene and I knew right away. We went uh-huh. to, we, neither one of us were dating. You know, I'd given up dating for a couple of years. Jean was close to that same kind of mm-hmm. attitude, and a couple, a friend of ours, they had gotten married. We met at their wedding, but they kind of, you know, kept pressing us to mm-hmm. get together. And then they called both of us and said, "Let's just go out as friends." We go to Amy Grant concert, yeah. I think it was, and uh, but we both knew that night yeah. that this could be the one, yeah. but we were very, uh, you know, shy to share that. Yeah. It took months. Yeah. Actually, probably six or seven months before we started talking, could this be it? And it came out slowly. So that was a little different story than yours. (laughs) It's one of those things
0: where it might have been helpful, obviously, to know more about each other, but there was something about being on the journey together from the very beginning, both of us trying to figure out our childhoods and our development and who we are as people that God used to grow us into ways, I don't know if it would have happened in a different yeah. story or different well,
3: day. and the, the bottom line is you're there, Yep. whether you come the way John and Dina got there or you sure. or, you know, Jean and I, you end up, you're there. How mm. do couples choose to love each other every day once they've tied the knot? I, I mean, that's kind of interesting to choose it and keep choosing it every day you wake up. Mm.
1: You, you don't realize you're making choices, but when you put the word choice in there, then you're like, oh, I do have a choice. And sometimes it's more difficult when things aren't going well to smile and say, "Okay, you really want to do this? I'm in and you know I'd rather be sleeping or doing <laughs> something you know shopping, but you you make those choices, and I really feel that our struggle was for a purpose. You didn't know it then, but until he wrote these two books, ah." God is using what we've gone through mm-hmm. to help others. And it was healing for us, but it also we really wanted to help other people. And you have to be honest. Oh, yeah. We'd love to have covered some things up, but he was brutally honest, mm-hmm. and yeah. I admire that.
3: Ron, conflict comes to every relationship uh, at, to a certain degree. You mm-hmm. know, maybe light conflict, maybe really serious conflict. But research shows it to be a little more prominent than we might expect. Mm -hmm. Uh, What are the research findings showing us? You know,
0: it's scary. We end up entering into conflict or dealing with conflict five, six, seven times a day in a relationship. It may be, where are we going to go for dinner? It may be, you did that, or you didn't tell me that, or what do you mean you spent that that much or you (laughs) bought that one? Uh, But then that multiplies. Mm. And they tell us that there's a couple thousand conflicts we enter into every year Mm. Just trying to negotiate, huh. well, imagine what happens if a couple doesn 't have good conflict negotiation skills or if they run away from conflict or avoid it, or if they if they get really aggressive with each other, if that 's your style and that 's how you handle conflict, you do it over and over and over. Mm-hmm.
3: you mentioned in the book uh, some ways we can start believing in our marriages. Mm-hmm. I would think boy you're you know the courtship side you 're believing in it, you 've said yes to each other, you get married you 're full of belief in this being good. So uh, what does that mean to keep believing?
0: I think you very quickly have some negative experiences that break that belief system. And, you know, the research tells us we need five to seven positive things to make up for every one negative.
3: That's a really important point. Punch that a little bit, yeah, because I, I learned that a little late in my marriage. It's
0: hard, because if you start making a couple of observations in the morning about critical things, you've now got 14 positive <laughs> things to say before lunch, and it's hard to do that. Yeah, And I find with Jan, my tone of voice or my attitude can just destroy her And then try to make up for
3: that. And then the next day, it's like the last thing she remembers, my tone of voice from the day before. That's where the patterns get broken. Yeah. We had a guest that suggested putting coins on one side of your pocket every time you give a compliment, move it from that pocket to the other pocket. But when you do something other than a compliment move that coin back back, and where's the change at the end of the day that's a pretty good little uh, idea Uh, janet i understand you and ron like to play with a couple of stuffed cows now (laughs) don't go into much detail here but how do the cows help you
1: it's just a way we kind of hide them in unique places so when you find it like i put them in his shoes you know when he was traveling and (laughs) you know you just never know where the cow will end up and it's it's just a way to kind of say i'm thinking about you i love you hopefully eventually you'll find this and you know, sometimes we had two or three <laughs> you, for being adventurous. Yeah. So we have different. You we know. have several
0: of them on a tree
3: in the kitchen yeah. right now. So, okay, <laughs> good. <That's a> good <laughs> and you, you lost a out. cow, like you put it somewhere we and both of you them. forgot where.
1: And then it's really funny when who finds it. <laughs> right, but, right. You know, but it's just kind of a way to say I'm thinking of you. I love you. You're important to me. No, I
3: love that. Yeah, and you could do it with a variety of things. This was the Chick-fil-A cow, I believe. Of course it was. Our
1: sons both worked for Chick-fil-A. Hey, Ron,
3: talk about the power of commitment. What does it look like to make that choice to be committed, and why is it so important in a healthy marriage? That's a tough one. It's going to be a little hard to talk about it now, too. Um, Recently, the last year, Jan's
0: had some significant hospitalizations. Um, um, Been in situations where the doctors walked out of an ICU unit and told me that, Not a good likelihood she would be there the next morning. And um, taking care of her at home, wound care as a nurse, packing her wounds every day and putting on wound vacs and things that were just not what I thought husbandry would look like. And then every day you're thinking, I can't thank God enough for the fact that she's here and we get another day to be together.
3: There's perspective.
0: And so commitment is is saying, um, I'm in this no matter what, for better or for worse, right? Mm-hmm. And that means 12 o'clock at night at the hospital, crying my eyes out, trying to figure out whether she's going to be there the next morning. <laughs> that's,
3: that's what commitment looks like for me anyway. Wow. I mean, that's powerful.
1: And for someone it's so hard to ask for help, mm. being so helpless, um, mm. and Ron just, he stepped up so much and... Mm. You, I mean, he talks about wound care. I mean, he just, yeah, he, beyond what I would have expected him yeah. to, or anyone to do. And he did it with a smile on his face and love in his voice. You know,
3: it's so beautiful to hear that and tender. I appreciate that, Ron, your, your tears, because it's good. And um, I'm thinking of just how the culture right now is so anti marriage. You know, not everybody, but just generally. So many young people hear, oh, it's a burden, don't do it. You know, you got to give up yourself for that, for another person. And here I see the two of you in tears about a tough time, but the giving. Giving is not bad. Mm. Sacrificing is not bad. And in a me-focused culture, we really are far healthier if we could get back to, you know, this is what love and commitment looks like. When did sacrifice become a dirty word? I don't get that. Yeah. Why is it bad
0: to give? Why is it bad to, to be selfless rather than selfish? Mm-hmm. I don't know where that came from, but I'm sure not happy about the direction the culture's going, and I, I don't think that makes a healthy marriage in any way.
3: Yeah. Moving um, from that kind of commitment to forgiveness, sure. um, and that is so essential. Uh, talk about Charlene and Rico. I think you mentioned a story of the, about them in the book. Sure, I mean there are
0: situations where um couples end up hoping and thinking that they'll be able to get past something, but they get stuck because they don't know how to move forward. And I talk with couples a lot about this idea of forgiveness not just being, "Oh, my bad." You know, we got it down to two words now, "My bad." In some cases you just pat your chest and, "We're all good." It's like, "No, if you're saying I'm sorry, One of the things we talk about in that story is saying, that means I'm going to work in all my power to become a better person, to not let that happen ever again. And moving forward, we're going to be able to forgive each other and have a different relationship because of that.
2: This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment.
0: Focus on the Family Canada is celebrating 40 years of ministry in Canada. Since the beginning, we focused on helping Canadians nurture, protect, and invest in their families so they can thrive.
1: We were separated for for a year and a half. At that point, lawyers were involved. We were done. We were ready to sign papers and just kind of walk away. And then I just saw, multiple times, I saw the ads for the Focus on the Family, marriage intensive, and I would throw it in the garbage, and I would see it, but it was always there in the back of my head, and I was like, well, what if there's something there that they can teach us that will help us. Okay, let's let's try this.
0: Over four decades of ministry, we've received more than 70,000 counseling calls, prayed for a million people, and welcomed over 2,000 individuals and couples to our retreat centers. None of this would be possible without your support. Thank you. Join us in celebrating. Visit focusonthefamily.ca forward slash four zero. What do moms love about Focus on the Family's Clubhouse magazine?
1: I love watching her have so much fun, and I know that every page is pointing her to the Lord. I love that my son teaches me about Jesus from what he learned in Clubhouse Magazine. I love watching them get all excited when they run to the mailbox each month.
0: To order your magazine subscription to Clubhouse or Clubhouse Junior, please visit us at clubhousemagazine.ca. That's clubhousemagazine.ca. Thanks for listening to Focus
2: on the Family let 's resume now with the balance of today 's programming
3: Ron, the, that area of forgiveness you say there are four elements. Uh, help us better understand what are those four elements. You know, I think it starts with the idea of
0: being able to actually uh, think about the word repentance, and i 'm going to focus on that more than any other because that word also has somehow gotten a bad rap in our, our world today right. it 's okay to say that you are accountable and responsible for your actions, and then in order to be forgiven. You need to repent, and you need to actually say, wow, I need to do some work
3: to figure out how this happened, rather than, ah, my bad, I'm sorry. Well, you know, you think about that. uh, That happens mostly in the covenant of marriage. I mean, really, there's a societal application of that, you know, repentance, and that's what criminals, the penance is where we get penitentiary. But it's an amazing thing that the core of it, I think, is in the relationship of marriage. Yeah to yeah. say you're sorry, to be repentant. And there's it's hard sometimes because I could say
0: I'm sorry early in our marriage, but because of many of my behaviors and activities and, and how I was acting, she'd hear those words, and I don't think you believed them. No.
1: I think when you are forgiving someone, you're basically saying, I'm not going to do that again. I'm going to try my very best not to treat you or do things that – that with what the mistake or whatever that I've done wrong. Sure. And that makes a difference because, you know, as we know our story, a lot of times as he would say that, it would be like, okay, you know, I was probably going to do it tomorrow or next week you or something. It. it was hard to believe when it was kind of consistently not that didn't happen. And once he started making those changes, then I was kind of like, eh, really? Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. But... You always have to praise the person for their efforts, not for their failures, mm. and that really wow, that's, made a difference. That's good. Yeah, mm. really made a difference. And he worked hard; I could see it every day. And you have to believe when someone's really changing who they are for you, mm-hmm. and that's what he does every day. You know, what can I do to help you? And he really means it. Wow,
3: that's good. So, well, give the four though, so you have to apologize first
0: you have to repent for what you did, you have to account for yourself and
3: take responsibility for that, and then you have to expect success from your partner. Now, those are good right there. That's worth the price of admission. (laughs) Um, You touched on this a bit, but if you're not doing those things, trust is broken. Mm -hmm. And that's the next element in this unfolding. Uh, After forgiveness, you have to build trust. Why is trust such a... A big challenge, probably the core thing. I'm just thinking in marriage generally, but Gene and I, that would be true. Trust mm-hmm. is kind of the foundation of it all.
1: Mm-hmm. I definitely agree with that. And when you, when it breaks, it's such a heartache. I think, and that it doesn't have to feel, be the
3: big thing, like no. infidelity. Trust can be broken every day, just in the way you treat me.
1: Exactly, I trusted
3: you to love me. And I don't feel loved. That's a broken yeah. trust.
1: And for me, it was I wanted someone to love me unconditionally, mm. even with my flaws. And mm. he kind of disagreed with that. And it was like, oh, okay. So now I have to try and be this person that you want me to be. And it's sometimes really hard to always live up to that. And – um rebuilding it does take time. There were times when um, he would ask something and I would lie about it mm-hmm. because I didn't want him to get upset. And it was easier to lie mm-hmm. than to say whatever I'd done, what I've you know, spent too much money or bought something that uh, I probably shouldn't have done. That so you're trying time. to
3: avoid pain. and exactly. And then that probably, Ron, for you, indicated I can't trust her. Nope. It broke the trust because she's going to lie to me. Right. She's yeah. going to hide it anyway. So, man, this is yep. a vicious cycle. And, exactly. and, and then at the
0: same time, you're like, wow, so that's what I've done to my wife. Now, my behavior and who I am as a person makes her scared to be honest with me.
3: Let me ask you, though, how do you get to that place for you to realize that you're badgering, if I can call it that. you know, Correct me if I'm wrong. But that badgering, for you to realize she's now misleading because of me that's a big leap rather than just put it all on her well i wish i didn't have to say this but
0: i i saw it because i saw what my sons were doing and i taught them how to treat women i heard i saw them Mm. demanding things from her i saw them being absolute about their beliefs about women and about men and then i realized okay I'm not only doing this to her directly, I'm teaching them how they will eventually uh-huh. treat their wives. That was too much, and God just slapped me and said, You got to do something, man. This is not acceptable
1: and it's interesting because our son, our youngest son Robin, and I were having a conversation, and he was like, Why did Dad change? What made him mm-hmm. change? I said, Do you want the honest answer And he was like, Yeah, and I said, because he saw what how you guys were treating me, mm-hmm. and that really made him wake up and say oh no i don't want another generation and i think his willingness to change really affected them as well Mm -hmm. hopefully in the positive
3: (laughs) no i mean that's powerful and the fact that they could see that your sons could see that and learn that lesson with you we've had a lot of conversations as adults about
0: and they sometimes say i'm hard on myself or a little too tough myself but in general i I I think they experienced
3: (laughs) they experienced a lot and they had to go through some of the same things that she went through let me ask this. We only have a few minutes left. So when you're looking at all of this, why do you think we so often take our spouses for granted? And then what, in what ways do we do that so we can all be more cognizant of it?
0: You know, I, I think it's really amazing that we will say things to our spouses we won't say to a stranger on the street. It somehow becomes okay to use a tone of voice or be derogatory or say, hey, can you do this? It's like, Or why didn't you do this? Can, can you be kind and nice? I mean, somehow we take each other for granted. And one of the things I suggest that I think really helps is to mm-hmm. sit down at the beginning of the week and ask yourself when you're going to be married this week and i ask that question with the couples i work with all the time to say okay you look at your schedules and you know there's all these appointments and work and church And the dogs and some guy named Frank gets in there. Everybody gets in the schedules. But your wife and your husband's name never appear for the whole week. And I ask people to look at the schedule and say, let's schedule some time for us. Let's schedule a check-in time during the middle of the week when we can say, hey, if we haven't had a chance to talk about something, let's talk about it now. And then schedule some time when you can just sit together and enjoy your relationship and be married. If you can't look at the week and find a time to be married... How are you going to do it successfully?
3: Let's hit a couple of these marriage moments because these are really good, too. Marriage moment number one, the schedule. You've touched on this, Ron. This is a designated time to review your and your spouse's schedules together for the week. Yes. You kind of mentioned that check-in. Right. So when do you guys do this?
0: We tend to be early, uh, early or late on Sundays. Um, a lot of times it's after church or in the evenings. We often go to church on Saturday evenings. Um, but it's it's kind of like, what's the week going to look like? Or Am I going to see you? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's sometimes we look and it's like, wow, we're going to have to put some serious effort into this. Um, and then the check-in is kind of to say, how are we doing
3: later on during the week? Yeah. Second check-in is about raising issues, right? So describe that. I'm, right, I am probably, right. this is where Jean does a good job again. She'll say, you know, can we talk about this? And I'm like, ah, this is the last thing I want to talk about. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Let's talk about it next year, maybe next month, but not now.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, I have to tell couples, if you don't actually have a time that you're agreeing to have a connection, then what happens is if they're in counseling, for instance, the only time they bring things up are in counseling. And they don't learn to do that Mm -hmm. on a regular basis. So I suggest that they have their own counseling appointment on their own and see how it goes. And sometimes it ends quickly. (laughs) But you have this time where you say, I know this is the time for the stuff we really don't want to talk about. And we're going to agree that we're not going to back out. We're not going to find a reason not to do it. We're not going to say, oh, man, I'd love to do that. But I got to mow the lawn. Right. No, lawn doesn't count. (laughs) It's like we're going to show up and
3: we're going to be there even for the hard stuff. I got to stop using that excuse. Okay. (laughs) That last one is important, too, the date. You know, we all talk about a date night, and Gene and I are pretty good about doing that. We go to a favorite restaurant. Mm -hmm. But in that context, I think one of the things we violate is we'll bring up all the stuff we haven't dealt with with other, you know, where the boy's at, what the boy's doing, and it doesn't feel like a date. Right, Right. and it can't be like a movie where you sit and watch a screen for two hours. That
0: does no good. It can't be something where you're just going to be disconnected. It has to be where we're going to remember why we're married. Mm. We're going to remember the feelings we had when we first decided to get engaged and we're gonna just enjoy and share in our in our company and be so happy that we're together.
1: You know, those are the times, it's, it's harder I think sometimes if you have children and you have to pay a babysitter. Yeah. yeah. And you know, sometimes you can do um, neighbors and you know, yeah. you share, they watch it, then the other. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just the intention of reconnecting because as you continue in your marriage, all those memories, you share with that person. Yeah. We can look at each other sometimes and like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And the I great pancake say? incident
0: of 2019. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly.
1: You know, the flood, the fire, you know, all those fun things that we have experienced. Just us. Yeah, yeah. And the moments are children that are so special. And once you have that kind of bond, you really want to fight for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even if it's hard, even if... It brings tears and pain. You get through it, and we've done it. And I can tell you, going over that rainbow was worth every price Mm -hmm. we had to go through. It made us stronger. It made us deeper. And, you know, writing these books really... Bring a lot of those out, those memories out.
3: Yeah, I'm sure. And we're right at the end here. And I, I think the best place to end would be for the couple that's listening. Maybe either one of them. The wife's listening right now going, okay, we've blown so many things that I've heard right now. All these things that you're talking about, uh, I've done them, or both my husband and I have done them. How do, they, how do they course correct? What are some things they can do? Obviously, get the book. That's a great way. It's, it's a quick read, 10 mm-hmm. Choices for a Better Marriage. It doesn't get any easier than that. Here are the 10 things to think about. Mm-hmm. And you've touched on so many of those things. But w- what can they do tonight that'll be different to rekindle that relationship and make it really good?
0: You know, the great thing is that God's giving us all a new day tomorrow. And we get to wake up and say, how do we want to live this day? How do I want to love my spouse? How do I want to become the man or woman God wants me to be? What can I say to my spouse to say, you know what? I need to apologize. I need to repent. I need to start over. What can we do tomorrow to make it a brand new day? And then if that doesn't quite turn out right, Guess what? God's going to give you another shot the next day as well. Yeah, but
3: again, what a great reminder. And I want to reassert what I said from the beginning, that Mm -hmm. so often we're talking about how to fix wobbly marriages. And the good thing is, man, when you get married, just don't let it wobble. Do these things from the get-go. And uh, all the research and the studies show that the happiest people in this country and around the world are married people with a faith in Christ. Yep. I mean that's what yep. we're we're ahead of the game. Yep. So now we just have to apply yeah. these principles and love each other and respect each other and do the things that you've captured in this book, and certainly the things that are captured in the book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and if we do those things, we will have a really fulfilling, yeah. lifelong commitment to the one we love. And at the end yeah. of life, what's more important? I know. This is it. So thank you both, Ron and Jan. Thank you so so much for having us. And let me tell you, if you are saying, yeah, we need the help, get in touch with us. Man, not only do we have this great book, 10 Choices for a Better Marriage, but also counselors and a heap of material Mm -hmm. to help you, including a marriage assessment and other things you could do at the Focus website that will really benefit you and get you moving in the right direction.
2: Yeah, donate as you can and request a copy of the book by Ron Welch. 10 Choices for a Better Marriage. You can also access all the great materials Jim just mentioned at our website. That's focusonthefamily.ca. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.